Ephesians chapter 1. It's not been long, I think it was two weeks ago or something like that. Um, William had found a penny, and uh, he would keep it with him wherever he went. And, uh, and he just thought he was just all that, because he had money. And, uh, and then he found a dime somewhere. And uh, I don't know where he got it, but he had a dime. And, and he came to me, and I asked him, he had them both in his hands, and I said, now which one is worth more? And, uh, and he thought the penny was worth more than the dime because the penny was bigger, right? Bigger is better, right? Uh, at least that was the case in the, five-year-old, uh, the, the mind of my five-year-old. And, uh, and I told him, no, this one is a dime. This is worth more than the penny. And he said, no, it's not. And I said, no, it is. I said, uh, this one here, uh, the smaller one, is worth ten times more than the penny. It's worth ten pennies. And, and he looked up at me with a big smile. He said, I'm rich. And he was so excited. He was rich. He had 11 pennies, but, uh, or 11 cents. But uh, as, a, as a five-year-old, his, uh, his valuation was mistaken. He valued something, a penny, in his mind to be more. He thought it worth more than a dime, more than 10 cents. And uh, sometimes that's the case for you and for me in our lives. Uh, sometimes we look at something and we, we value something, we give something a greater value than it really has. Sometimes we give something a greater value than something else. And in our passages, as, as we're studying here in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus and the Spirit of God is giving the Apostle Paul the words to write, and really, and really, God is trying to help the church at Ephesus uh, know how rich they really are uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, you know, there were many things they knew. They knew they were saved. They had believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there was much about their salvation that they did not understand, that they did not know. And so because their valuation was wrong, they were, they were not informed about what they had in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, their lives were struggling in some areas. And so Paul is writing to them. And, and I could ask the question this morning, do you know, do you understand what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you? One of the things that I enjoy, I enjoy talking about is what Jesus Christ has done for us. I love talking to my children. Um, just this past Friday, I brought uh, Ian and Will were in the truck when we drove over to the church building to put the flags back up to full staff, and somebody had already beaten us to it, but, and Ian wanted to know why they were at half staff, and so I told them, both my boys, why the flags were at half staff, and uh, 59 people dead last weekend, and over 500 people wounded, and, um, and uh, one man, one deranged individual taking the lives of so many people. And, uh, you know, I didn't go into great detail with my 10-year-old and my 5-year-old, but we talked about that. And, uh, and then the conversation changed. And as we drove back out to Calkins Road, uh, the conversation was about what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. It really was amazing how the conversation ended up going that way. And 
And both of my sons reasoned with me about what Jesus Christ had done. One of my sons is saved, and the other one is not saved. Uh, He's not born again. He's never received Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. But I want them to know what Jesus Christ has done for them. I want them to know what is available to them. I want Ian to know what he has in Jesus Christ. And it's not going to be one conversation. It's going to be a lifetime of learning from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. A lifetime of God demonstrating to them by His Holy Spirit in their lives on a daily basis, this is what you have in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and I love talking about it. Just this past Wednesday, I had the privilege to talk to a visitor who was here with us, and she's been coming several times, and we were talking. A little bit of our conversation was about what Jesus Christ has done for us. And uh, it was a moving conversation as we talked about those things in the foyer of our church. And so that's what Paul's talking about. And, and do you know what Jesus Christ has done for you? Do you understand what God purchased uh, for you? And if, if you do, what are you doing with, God, with what God has provisioned you with? What are you doing with what he has given you? What, what are you doing with what you have in the Lord Jesus Christ? Sometimes we spend more time talking about how difficult our lives are than we do talking about the wondrous salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, sometimes we don't understand what we've been given, and if we spend more time talking about our difficulties, and we spend more time talking about our challenges of life than we do talking about the provisions of our Heavenly Father, we don't really understand what we have through Jesus Christ and what our Heavenly Father has provided us with. And so we might hear a story like William's about... Uh, uh, a penny, him thinking a penny is worth more than a dime, but in some ways we're the same way. Uh, we know the difference between a dime and a penny in this room, but sometimes we value the things of this world to be of greater value than what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we give the things of this world, we give something that is fleeting, that is for a moment more value than we give to that which is eternal. That, that which cost Jesus Christ his own life and God the Father his own Son, that which is eternal, that which can never be taken away, with, away from us. Last week we looked at verses 1, 2, and 3, and, we didn't, uh, and, and, and then a few verses following, I think verses 4 through 6. As we studied those, those verses, we, we considered that God is worthy of our praise because he has chosen us. And that's the word that's in this passage. And of course, the word predestination shows up in chapter 1 as well. And I want to reiterate something right at the front of this message. And if you're not familiar with Calvinism, uh, please forgive me. But uh, Calvinism is a doctrine, a teaching, not a Bible teaching, but a doctrine, a teaching of men that teaches that God... As, that God chooses to save some people to be with him in heaven, and God chooses other people to go to hell for all of eternity, and those people have no, no action at all that they can take one way or the other. God chooses some. This is what Calvinism teaches. This is not what I believe or Trinity Baptist Church believes. Calvinism teaches that God chooses some people to go to heaven, and he chooses other people to go to hell, and there is, there is no way for anybody to receive the Lord Jesus Christ because God has already chosen people to go to hell. And uh, 
I don't believe that in any way. Uh, my question would be, which of my four children has God chosen to send to hell? Which one of them? Um, let's go walk down the sidewalk, and you point out the people that God has chosen not to save, and he has chosen to send them to hell for all of eternity. And I want you to know that is not what the Bible teaches. I do not believe that in any way. But at the same time, uh, the Bible does teach the doctrine of election. It does teach that God has chosen to save people. The elect are the whosoever will that will come to the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. Though The word elect is a word to describe those who are saved, okay? And God has chosen to save people. Uh, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is his will. It is God's will that people, that all people would come to repentance. And yet the reality of life is that not all people do come to repentance. And for a person who will not repent, a person who will not uh, uh, stop believing in themselves to save themselves, that person will go to hell for all of eternity. But God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And that is God's will. Um, First John, and I think I quoted it last week or cited it last week, but in First John, John wrote to those believers, and John made it very clear that God sent his son to save sinners, uh, and he died for our sins, and not for ours only, John writes, but for the sins of the whole world. And I, hope, I, I don't know how it can be any more clear than that. God sent his son to die for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ on that cross paid for every sin, for every sinner who has ever lived on the face of the earth. And yet there are some people who reject this gift. They reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. But I just want to make that very clear uh, and I think, and, and, and this is one thing that's so good for us to study out this passage, I think some of us who have embraced the idea that is biblically true, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world and that anybody can be saved, and, and, and we, we've embraced that truth, but we've all, and we've rejected this false teaching of Calvinism, I think we've erred in this particular area. Anytime we hear the word elect or election, we get jittery and scared, and we say, well, I don't believe in that. Well, I hope you do believe in election. It's a biblical doctrine. Well, we hear somebody say, God chose to save you, and we get a little jittery. Well, no, he didn't. I chose him. Uh, no, he chose to save you. Embrace the biblical terms of the Bible. Election, doctrine, predestination, it's not a bad term. It's a good term. It's a term that God chose to use. And just because some of these terms have been hijacked by another group of people who teach another doctrine doesn't mean they should be terms that you and I avoid. It just means they're terms that you and I need to understand biblically. So it's very, very important that we understand these things. So we praise God. God is worthy of our praise because he hath chosen to save us. Notice again verse 3 and 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And that there it is. He chose you. 
He knew you would, be, you would receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. He knew your heart would be humbled and your faith would blossom as you heard the Word of God. He knew that you would believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and He chose to save you, knowing that you would receive His Son. And that is a wonderful, simple truth, uh, as I've stated it simply. Not so simple a truth, but I've stated it simply. Secondly, we saw that God has chosen us to be holy. Notice in verse number 4, the middle part, um, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. He chose us in love, but He chose us that we should be holy and without blame. And by the way, that's going to happen. If you're a born-again child of God, someday this old flesh is going to be put off and you're going to be robed in the righteousness uh, of Jesus Christ or be given a new body someday You are robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ now, but someday uh, you will be holy and you are going to be blameless. But I want you to know that's something that God has chosen for you now, today. He's chosen you to be holy. He's chosen you to be blameless. And we considered those truths. And then look at verse number 5 and 6. He says this, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. And we saw from those verses that He chose to adopt us. He chose to make us accepted. And so He is worthy of our praise. I want to continue reading as we read our text for this morning. I'll begin in verse number 7. I'm going to read down through verse number 14. And there's a couple of things I want you to keep your eyes out for as we read. One is that he has forgiven our sins. And two is that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Now the things that we're studying this morning are not things that you will find yourself engaging in conversation just out and about with too many people. But these are the words of God, and God wants us to know what they say. So notice in verse number 7, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath, hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Three times in these first 14 verses, the Apostle Paul pens down the words, unto the praise of His glory. God is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our worship. And why? The three simple truths, or the three profound truths, I probably should say, in these first 14 verses are this. 
God is worthy of our praise because he has chosen to save us. Number two, God is worthy of our praise because he has forgiven us. He has forgiven us. And this is a marvelous word, forgiveness. And we're going to look at it this morning. And then the last truth is that God is worthy of our praise because our salvation is secure, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us. You can't lose it. It can't be taken away. You can't give it back. You are sealed by the power of the Spirit of God who lives within you. He is worthy of our praise. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, help us now as we study these, your words, the Word of God. And Father, these are deep truths, they're profound. And yet, Lord, as I preach your Word this morning, may your Holy Spirit illuminate our minds. Help us to understand. Help us to know what we have in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that your word and your spirit would have your way in us. Make us more like Christ, I pray. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, we need to know what God has given to us, what we have in Jesus Christ. We need to know and understand what God has provisioned us with. Do you know? Do we know what we have in Christ? Are we living like beggars? when actually we have great wealth in Christ? Are we going through our daily lives overwhelmed when God has given us so much and he wants us to know what it is? Are we living like we're fully provisioned or are we living like we're beggars, we don't have anything? So notice with me, first of all, this morning that God is worthy of our praise because he has forgiven our sins. He is worthy for you and me to praise his name, to glorify him, to magnify him, to worship him, because he has forgiven our sins. Notice in verse number 7 again, and I'm going to read down through verse 12. There's a lot here, but let the words of God flow through your minds this morning. It says in verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, According to the riches of his grace, unmerited favor, by his, by un, uh, even undeserving, and that's where we all were, God chose to forgive us. Verse number eight, wherein he hath abounded toward us all, uh, toward us in all wisdom and prudence. That's, this is talking about revelation. It's talking about the word of God. Verse nine, having made known unto us through the word of God, the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him, in Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom also ye, and in whom ye also trusted. And I want to stop there. I, I just want to notice simply, though, that God is worthy of our praise because he has forgiven our sins. Verses 7 down through verse 12 is talking about the work of Jesus Christ in our salvation. Uh, Verses 4, 5, and 6 are talking about 
the work of God the Father, his choosing of us. But now, in verses 7 down through verse 12, we see this work of the Lord Jesus Christ in our salvation. Romans 5 and verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, and that would be Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, that was Jesus Christ, shall, shall many be made righteous. Uh, in verse 7, notice Jesus Christ redeemed us by his blood. He redeemed us. Notice verse 7. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. We, the believers, Paul is saying that he is part of this and that the church at Ephesus, they're the we. We could include ourselves in that this morning if you've received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We uh, have redemption. Redemption, the word redemption is to purchase or to set free by paying a price. We have redemption. We've been set free. We've been bought, is what Paul's saying. By what? Through his blood. What was the cost of, our, of, our, of, of us, of being purchased, of being bought? And the cost was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. During the Roman Empire, there were some 60 million slaves. During the Roman Empire. They were often bought and sold like pieces of furniture. But a man could purchase a slave, and that man who bought the slave could set him free. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. While Cindy and I were out in Virginia, we went to this town, and I might have mentioned this. There were a, uh, it was a town that the population was 5,000 people at the time of the Civil War. And uh, we toured around the town and looked at the different things. Um, the, uh, the guide told us at the time of the Civil War, there were 5,000 people there, and 1,000 of the 5,000 were slaves. They were owned by another person. And he said, if you go down to the corner over here, you can actually see an old slave block still there from the time of the Civil War, where they would stand a, a daddy or a mommy or a grandpa or a grandma, a boy or a girl, stand them on the slave block. And then they would call out numbers. We went to a large uh, mansion from the time of the Civil War, and it's just a museum now, but you walk in there, and they had an open book sitting there. And uh, you could look, and you could read in that book, and they would give the slaves a name. Sometimes they would use the name the slave already had. Sometimes they would give them another name. And they would give the slave a name, and they would, next to the name, the slave owner would write a dollar amount next to every name. And as you look down that book, you saw names. And some, some of those people, they gave a worth of hundreds of dollars to. And others, they gave a worth of 50 or 25 or 5. Or one man's name I saw, he was an older man, near the end of his life, and they had his name. And next to his name, they had a dollar amount of zero. And as I said, during the time of the Roman Empire, over 60 million slaves existed. You know, the Bible talks about sin, and it talks about people being in bondage or in slavery to sin. We can talk about the woes of slavery, and we could, and it it is one of the greatest blights on American history, slavery. And, And not just American history, but around, it's been a part of world history. 
slavery, owning another person. But the Bible talks about how sin used to be our master. And it talks, the Bible talks about how sin is the owner of a person who's never received Jesus Christ as their personal savior. The person wakes up and they live to serve sin. They go to bed and they live to serve sin. They are the they are owned, they are possessed by sin. And that's what they do. And, and we could, we, we, even as we sit here this morning, can remember a time in our lives where that is who we were. We can remember that. Where that's where we were. We lived every day in our lives to serve sin. Jesus Christ bought us by his blood. Do you understand that? A person could buy a slave and then choose to free that slave. We were the slaves. And Jesus Christ, God, was willing to send his only begotten son to this sin-cursed earth to become sin for us and to be crucified on a cross and to die our death because that was the payment. That was the price next to our name. Death had to be paid. And Jesus Christ suffered and bled and died our death so that he could free us from sin. Redemption. That's what he's saying here in verse 7 in whom we have redemption, we've been purchased through his blood. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, ye were not bought with corruptible things as silver and gold. No one could come and say, I'll give you $50 to, to, to buy you from sin, so you don't have to be a slave to sin, you don't have to serve sin anymore. No one, no one could do that. That wasn't the price. It wasn't silver and gold. Uh, and, and Peter talks about that. Ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain manner of life, your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Even there, Peter talks about how God decided before the world was ever created that he was going to send Jesus Christ, his only son, to die on a cross to buy you back, to buy me back from my slave owner, which was sin. Isn't that incredible to think about? Ponder that. Think about that. Hebrews 9 and verse 22 says, Without shedding of blood is no remission. There's no forgiveness without Jesus' blood being shed. 1 John 2 and verse 2 says, And he is the propitiation, a big word, an old English word. It means a substitutionary sacrifice. But it's saying that Jesus Christ is the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, we have been forgiven. We've been forgiven, and God is worthy of our praise. And in Paul, as he's writing to these believers, says, not only did God the Father choose you, choose you, and elect to save you, not only did he save you and choose to do it, but also you are forgiven. You've been forgiven of your sin. We've been forgiven of our sin. The word forgiven means to carry away. It reminds me of a ritual on the Jewish Day of Atonement. The priest would kill one of the two goats and he would sprinkle that, the goat of that blood on the mercy seat. And then the priest would confess Israel's sin 
over the living goat, the goat that was still living. And the priest would then have the live goat taken out into the wilderness to be lost. Christ died to carry away our sins so that they would never be seen again. Think back to who you used to be. Or maybe as you sit here this morning, you say, I've never received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He's not my Savior because I've never received him. Then, friend, you are still dead in your trespasses and sin. You live every day, and though you may try hard to change your life, the problem is that you are a slave to sin. It owns you. And and Trinity Baptist Church is made up of people, and we want you to be a part of Trinity Baptist Church as God allows for it. But I want you to know this. A church, a local church, is a group of called-out believers, a group of people who God has saved, people who used to be slaves to sin, but people who have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And and having been purchased by the blood of Christ... People who are forgiven, whose sins have been carried away, carried away by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died to carry away our sins so that they would never, ever again be seen. John 1 and verse 29 says, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, used to announce or uh, declare who Jesus Christ was. And he said it this way, Behold, look and see the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He taketh away the sins of the world. He's taken away my sins. He's taken away my sins. It's not that this old wicked flesh doesn't have a propensity still to sin. No, this old wicked flesh does. It has a bend in it to sin. But I and all who have received Jesus Christ are robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, as the Lamb of God, came to take away your sin and take away my sin. Psalm 103 and verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. You see, no written accusation stands against us because our sins have been taken away. The devil can accuse us today, but we are robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ has taken away our sins. Sin made us poor, but grace, the grace of God, makes us rich. Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He's forgiven you. God is worthy of our praise because he's forgiven our sins. That's the, the doctrines of redemption there, and the doctrine of forgiveness is there. Uh, I also notice in verse 7, the latter part, that God has graciously shown us his will. Notice in verse number 7, the middle part, verse number 7, the middle part says, according to the riches of his grace, and then he says this in verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Wisdom, of course, is from above, godly wisdom. And then prudence has the idea of intellectual or moral insight. Where do we get that from? Well, I was just born with intellectual and moral insight. No, no. Uh, We get that from the Word of God. This is talking about the revelation of the Word of God. Notice verse 9, what we learn from the Word of God. 
having made known unto us, God's made known unto us through his word, the mystery of his will. Now, the word mystery there has the idea of a sacred secret that was at one time hidden, but now is revealed to God's people. And so what Paul is saying is that by the grace of God, uh, through the wisdom and prudence of God, the word of God, that God has made known to you what is the mystery of his will. What is God's will and and the mystery? Something that was used to be hidden that people couldn't understand, that people couldn't see. But now you can know what it is by the word of God, according to the good to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself. Something that God has purposed to do. What is he talking about here? And I'll just say it right up front and we'll we'll uh, parse it a little bit. But uh, what he's talking about is how God chose to save people. And Jewish people and Gentile people, men and women, young and old, rich and poor, but specifically Jew and Gentile, this is the mystery. God has chosen to save sinners. God sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for sinners, to take away the sin of the world so that we could all be united in one, in Jesus Christ. That's the mystery. And it really is an incredible mystery. How do we know what God's will is? That was one of the things that came up in our conversation on Friday as we talked going home, as we came by the church to take down the flag or put the flags back up. And one of the things came up was uh, the will of God. And Will said, you mean me? And Ian said, no, it's the will of God. Yeah, me, I'm Will. No, and we had that kind of derailed our conversation a little bit as we had to talk to him that his name is Will, but the, anyway, it was confusing. Uh, but how do we know what the will of God is? We know it through his word. We, we know it through his word. Do, do you desire to know what God's will is for you? Do you want to know what God desires for you? Are you committed to accepting what God's word says? Are you committed to submitting to what God's word says to you? There have been more than one occasion in my life where my life at times was not characterized by submitting to the word of God. There were times in my life, even though I grew up in a Christian home and grew up in a a good church that taught the word of God, there were times where the word of God would be presented, but I didn't really want to know what it said. Because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. Sometimes we do what we want to do because we don't know what it says. And here, here Paul is saying, by the grace of God, he has shown to you, he's revealing to you what his will is. And the word of God tells us what his will is. Psalm 110 and verse 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Have you ever been at a point in your life where you didn't know where to go or you didn't know what to do? Have you ever found yourself uh, during a power outage where you didn't put the flashlight in a certain spot beforehand, so you really had no idea where it was, and candles and a match, that wasn't even an option. It was just a matter of you in the middle of the night trying to get somewhere. You should have just stayed in bed, but you didn't know what, you wanted to go down and watch the sump pump overflow. And so you're tripping and stumbling and stubbing your toes on everything as you 
stumble around in the dark. You know, sometimes in our lives, that's how we live. It's not just during a power outage. Husbands and wives stumbling about, stubbing their toes, angry at one another continually, marriage coming apart, or parents trying to raise kids and doing it blindly. Churches trying to be a church, but not knowing what they're doing, not knowing what they have in Christ, not having any clarity, living in darkness. And friends, that's not what God saved us to do. Psalm 6 and verse 23 says, For the commandment, the word of God is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Reproofs of instruction are the ways, the way of life. I never, I never really appreciated, I suppose I was a foolish young boy, but I never really appreciated being told what to do as a young boy, as a young person. My dad would say something, Seth, hold it this way. Or Seth, hold it that way. I can still remember at one point I was a high schooler and and I was cutting a board with a circular saw. And I had started the saw and I was holding on to the board and I was starting to bring the saw to the board. And my dad raised his hand up and he stopped me. And I think he actually had to grab my arm because I was going to go through with it anyway. Pretending I didn't hear him. And uh, he pulled the saw back, the arm, the saw back. And had he not, I would be missing several fingers on my hand because my hand was gripping the board right where I was going to saw. Are you like that when it comes to the word of God and the instruction of God? Do you resist it? Does it annoy you? Are you arrogant and proud? Oh, friend, humble yourself and look to the word of God. These things are not all always simple. The word of God is not always simple. It's going to take your lifetime to follow it. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit of God in your life to understand it. You're going to need the grace of God in your life to live it out because you in and of yourself can't understand it. Uh, It doesn't make any sense in and of your own self, in your flesh, and you don't have the character within yourself to live out the Word of God, let alone understand it. You need the grace of God and the Spirit of God, but friend, you need the Word of God. And I do as well. I need the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says, All scripture, all of it, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be mature, perfect, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped, provision for all good works, to do the will of God. Psalm 119 and verse 9, there's a question that's asked there. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How can a young man clean up his life? And there were many of us in this room who might say, Seth, I'm not a young man, but how can I clean up my life? There are areas of my life that are not measuring up to what God says in his word. Seth, how can I clean up my life? And the answer comes by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Luke 4 and verse 4, Jesus said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You see, this that we're talking about is the doctrine of revelation. It is my longing that you and I, as God's people, would submit ourselves to the authority of God's word. There really is no other way to experience the fullness of the grace of God than by submitting to the word of God. 
And notice at the end of verse number 9, uh, or the, the middle part there, he says that he's made known unto us the mystery of his will. Again, the word mystery, a sacred secret, once hidden, but now revealed to God's people. The thought is how the mystery of his will has made, been made known to us through his goodness, which he ha- himself has determined. The mystery Paul's expounding is that the Gentiles would be one with the Jews in the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth is this, that God has united us in Christ. Notice again verse 10, that in the dispensation, that is a a period of time, of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one, in one, in Christ, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, those who have already gone on before us, and which are on earth, even in Christ. Now, look over to chapter 3, if you would, for just a moment in verse number 3, and he says it very clearly here. Ephesians chapter 3 in verse number 3. It says this, How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. What is it? Which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, by the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The mystery is this. God has chosen to save us, and he's chosen to forgive us because he purchased us by the blood of Jesus Christ. And a Jewish person had to be saved the same way that a Gentile person has to be saved. By faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, plus nothing, plus nothing. You see, God desires that we bring glory unto Jesus. Notice in verse number 11, it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Are you determined to bring glory and honor to God? Are you you determined in your life to honor your heavenly Father in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because he's telling us here that God has predestinated us to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you are a born-again child of God, but you're not living like it. As were some of the the believers there at Ephesus. You're not the first individual who's been born again who's chosen to resist the leading of the Spirit of God and resist the Word of God and follow after the flesh and follow after society. But maybe like some of them, you're in that situation and you're not following the Holy Spirit of God in your life. And, 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 and Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is telling them, God has predestinated you as the inheritance of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring glory and honor to God. It's going to happen. Someday when you die and this physical body goes into the ground, and your soul is immediately in the presence of God and will be for all of eternity. 
you will, as a child of God, bring honor and glory to God forever and ever. And God, before time ever began, knew who would be saved. And he predetermined, I'm going to send my only begotten son to die to buy these people back to save their souls. I know they're slaves to sin. I know they're going to reject me. I know they're going to disobey my word. I know they're going to reject my son. I know they will crucify him and they will gladly crucify him, the savior of the world, the creator of the world on a cross. But I'm going to send my son anyway because God is love and he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And God knew who would believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and God predetermined I will choose to save those individuals. And I... I am choosing and I'm going to predestine those people who, to, who will believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am predestinating that they will bring glory and honor to me. Now, here's the thing. You and I can either choose to bring glory and honor to our God in this lifetime. Or we can choose not to. I can either choose to say yes to his spirit. Or I can choose to say no to his spirit. I can choose to honor me. Or I can choose to honor God. But know this, he has predetermined that you will honor the Lord Jesus Christ. So God is worthy of our praise because he has forgiven our sins. Um, I'd like to sing as we close this morning, Pastor Toman, Redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And here's how I want to close this, this morning. How many of you would say, with uplifted hand, Pastor Ferguson... God has saved my soul. He has purchased me. I belong to Jesus Christ because I have believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and I am saved. Now, before you raise your hand, would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment for a little bit of privacy for those around you? But how many of you would say, Pastor Ferguson, you can rejoice with me because God purchased me. Jesus Christ bought me off the slave block of sin by Jesus shedding his blood on that cross. If that's you, would you raise your hand good and high that I can see it? Many, many hands in this room, you may put them down. Maybe you could not raise your hand. You'd say, Pastor Ferguson, I know that Jesus Christ died for me on that cross, but I have never received him as my personal savior. Pastor Ferguson, Jesus died for me, and I believe that he died and that he was buried and that he rose again for my salvation. Pastor Ferguson, I want to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior this morning. If there's anyone like that in this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you might have other questions, but you know this. God sent his son. His son, Jesus Christ, died, was buried, and rose again for your salvation. How many of you might say, Pastor Seth, would you pray for me? I need to be saved. I want to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If that's you, would you raise your hand good and high that I could see it? in the quietness of this moment. Anyone like that at all? Pastor Seth, would you pray for me? I want to be saved by Jesus Christ. Anyone like that at all? All right, then let's take our hymnals, if you would. 335. Hymn number 335. 335. Let's all stand to our feet as we sing. And as, as believers, as the redeemed of God, let's lift up our voices and let's sing praise to his name.
His child and forever Redeemed and so happy Redeemed and so happy in Jesus No language my rapture can tell I know that the light of his presence With me doth continually dwell Redeemed, redeemed Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb Redeemed, redeemed His child and forever I know I shall see 